Welcome to the IQ Meets EQ podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Broman, Principal Solicitor at DBA Law and CEO of Legally Wise Women. And I'm here with Ush Danik, former corporate lawyer, then head of HR, and now an emotional intelligence coach. Good morning, Ush. Morning, Jackie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Is it dark there just like it is here? Yeah, it's just coming through in that grey dawn-ish morning. Birds are starting and... Um, yeah, I was out running this time yesterday morning. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Nice and early. How's the week been for you? Yeah, really good. Well, I sort of have to give away who the the interviewer is. I spoke at yeah. um, well, one of Mel McCarthy's meetup groups because she runs Leading for Success. So last Wednesday I went and did a presentation for them on leadership, which was a bit of a different topic for me, but I really enjoyed it. Yes, I remember you saying that at the last podcast that you were going to be doing that. How mm-hmm. did it go? Was it, what, 20 minutes, right? Yep, and it flew. I don't, I think oh. I might have gone for longer. I don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great night um, and she runs them really well and quite structured and it forces people to talk how she runs it as well and meet new people. So really good. Good. Excellent. Hmm. How about yourself? What have you been up to? Just busy working on client side, actually. So it was just a bit of delivery for me. And then we had to actually have one of our cats put down, which was a bit sad. So we've got two and then one had, um, he's had a bit of a heart murmur since birth. So we had to go through that last weekend. Aww, that was a bit traumatic. Yeah. And then it's, it's so interesting because the other cat is just like really missing him as well. Mm. So um, he's been a bit more affectionate. He's actually sitting literally right next to me here as you can, <laughs> uh, while we do the podcast. Yeah. Don't leave me, mum. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is a bit sad. Yeah. I'm a little bit tired. Ty- well, no, I'm not really that tired. But last night I stayed up longer than I would usually stay up because I got into the new version of Queer Eye. Have you watched any of those new ones with the new no, cast? No, I haven't. I haven't seen the old ones either. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I watched a fair few of them, what, 15 years ago or something? Yeah. Um, and I really, you know, it was so uplifting and I hadn't got into the new ones because I thought, nah, not the same cast and different times as well. Like you, we're no longer trying to convert people over to mm. realising that gay people are ordinary people. But oh, I pumped out three episodes last night and it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> what time did you get to bed? Oh, I was about 11.30 or so. Oh, that's a bit late. It's a bit late for me. <laughs> Yeah, I just just actually finished watching on Apple TV, um, so different to what you're watching, but I'm into my crime shows. Being the ex-lawyer, as you know, just love those types of shows. (laughs) Um, But I watched The Oak, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's uh, pretty much based off a true story of corrupt police gangs. Right. And how they get away with it and what they do and how, how it sort of works behind the scenes. But it's phenomenal. It's only like 10 episodes. Um, it took me like three days to watch them yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. What, what country is it based in? America. Really? Right. Yeah. Okay. I hadn't heard of it. Yeah, The Oath. It's really good. It's on Apple TV. It's not on Netflix yet. So I had to just literally buy the series, but it mm. just had so many good reviews. So yeah, watch that. It was great. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, there you go, guys. There's some recommendations. Two recommendations, two very different ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so shall we jump into Mel? Yes. Amazing mm. Mel. Mm. So yeah, Mel McCarthy, I met when she was the CEO of a underground mine that is in central Victoria near where my firm is. We had a, a day that was organized by Bendigo Bank as a women in business lunch. 
Mm. She was one of the speakers and I was on the panel. And so we met that way and both of our talks, I suppose, resonated with each other. So we connected and then she invited me along to a couple of her meetups and I invited her to chat on the podcast. And then, like I said, she invited me to come and speak. And so, you know, it's a blooming relationship. <laughs> that is awesome. They're the best networks and connections, right? When they just impromptu when you meet. Yeah, yeah. And she's now left the mine and she's pushing um, Leading for Success as her main thing now Mm, um, mm. after over 20 years in the mining industry. So let's have a listen to Mel McCarthy. Mel McCarthy, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks, Jackie. Yeah, I'm really well today and I'm looking forward to, yeah, being on the podcast because I'm really excited about what you're doing and sharing people's stories and how important ET is in the whole scheme of things. Mm, Fantastic. And I think that you're, well, let's have the audience judge for themselves. I think that you are a perfect study, I suppose, of your career path and coming full circle to EQ. So let's dive in. What did you want to be when you were growing up? So I was the daughter of an engineer. It's often quite common that girls who idolise their fathers who are engineers end up as engineers. So I knew from, you know, like grade two that I wanted to be an engineer like my dad. And that's pretty much, that was pretty easy. (laughs) That's great to have some certainty. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's great looking back in hindsight now whether or not that was uh, really what I was good at and what my strengths were because I think it, it was born out of, yeah, what I've done in my career is potentially that wasn't my strength. <laughs> it certainly got me to where I am today. Mm. Mm. That's an interesting point, actually, because I don't think that the schools really do many strengths tests or personality tests or anything like that when looking at, you know, growing someone into a career, do they? No, and I was just looking at something that would really contribute to society, be able to make something that was useful and be able to get paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was really good at, I think English was my best subject. And I did an arts degree as well, because I thought I wanted that diversity and And I really didn't enjoy studying engineering and I actually loved the arts. So, yeah, in hindsight, was it really what I was good at? I don't know. (laughs) Well, you've had an amazing career anyway. So tell us what your career path has been. Yeah, so I've been in the resources industry my whole life and it's 21 years, I think, since I started work. And I always worked on... Uh, mine sites or processing sites in remote or regional Australia. Mm. And what was unique about what I did, I suppose, is having become a mother is um, normally in that industry, women are not well supported Mm. and need to move to the city or do consulting to actually be able to manage a family. But I managed to, yeah, I did it and I could stay working on a mine site. Yeah, so I've worked in every state and territory in Australia, apart from the ACT, you know, from places such as the Tanami Desert to um, Central New South Wales, Tasmania, West Coast, like pretty rugged places, mm. and ended up being able to choose to live in uh, Victoria um, where I could. I came back to Bendigo wanting to in the orchestra because I love playing music and this was a place where I could do that and actually work the mine at the same time. So, wow. Yeah. And you've gone over those 20 odd years from in your boots engineering into management too, haven't you? 
Yes. Uh, so I changed career paths pretty early on. So I did chemical or process engineering and I got a job as a graduate and worked for three years, but realised that I was uh, critiquing, critiquing my bosses and mm-hmm. sort of thinking, oh, you know, I wouldn't say it that way and, you know, thinking about things that I really wanted to make a difference on because uh, often the places were really remote and the conditions were quite, you know, not the greatest for people and families. And so I thought, well, I want to be a manager one day, but because the discipline I'd studied wasn't really the discipline to get into management, I changed disciplines. So I quit my job as a graduate or as a, was actually out of graduate training as an engineer and I went back and did basic labouring I moved to a place where I could just walk in off the street and get a job, uh, 17 bucks an hour, operating underground equipment. And I did that because I knew I had to get at least a year's worth of experience to qualify mm. as a manager that particular industry and also swap disciplines. So I did more sort of civil mining studies at the same time. And then I tried to get a job as a as a um, rather than a chemical engineer, as a mining engineer. So um, I did that, yeah, that was sort of four years into my career. I basically yeah, took a massive risk and quit my job and didn't know if it was going to get me to where I wanted to get to. <laughs> <laughs> but has it? Yeah, eventually it did. But I guess my first failure was where I was actually living. I went for a job there. And I thought, well, I've got an engineering degree and I've done this transition thing. I should be able to get a job in my engineering. And I actually couldn't. They, I didn't get the job. That was probably the first point at which I didn't actually achieve what I wanted to achieve. Mm. Um, what I had to do is I had to go back and start as a graduate again. Okay. So I started back as if I had not had any work experience yeah. as a mining graduate. Mm-hmm. And then that got me on the path to being eventually to get a, a job as a as an underground mining manager, which was pretty weird for women because I think there's only, I think in the resources or mining sector in Australia, there's about 17% women. Um, It hasn't changed in, not since I've been there. It's very rare for women to do that, to actually run underground mines. In fact, I don't, I probably only can count on one hand how many people I know that have done it in Australia anyway. Why do you think that is? It's, uh, is it undesirable as well? It's not something women particularly want to do. I think in those, I'm only talking probably generally with my 20 years of old sort of knowledge of career paths, but in chemical engineering, I remember there was more women. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that, you know, obviously you can end up doing food manufacturing, you know, chocolate factories, breweries, all the mm-hmm. way through to petrochemical which a lot of women sort of go into that and it's quite prestigious. And mining is perceived as, obviously in our society, it's perceived differently. It's an essential thing, but it's it's almost like a, it's an industry that's forgot, been forgotten. Like everyone probably, you know, 100 years ago worked in that industry, but now it's, it's such a small industry because it's so automated and efficient that people just don't have the knowledge of it. Yep. And it probably get yeah, it does pretty much get a bad bad rap in society generally. Um, as most people are living now in cities and have sort of no connection apart from knowing that they need their mobile phone and how to <laughs> and that needs minerals or everything needs minerals. Yep. But where do the minerals come from? I think people have just like lost that connection. 
but I always wanted to make things and I felt, yeah, I felt like I was, if I was making something for society, that was really valuable. And yeah, I got a lot of pleasure out of that. Mm. Yeah, I just wonder if it's, you know, if you get, if a female doing engineering at uni gets laid out, you know, the range of what they can do, they, like you said, they do tend to go towards something a bit more prestigious and I suppose lab clean sort of work rather than the dirt. And and you do think of danger as well with particularly underground. Yeah, that, there is that perception and the mm. high profile, you know, media has created that from when things have happened. But for me, it was the opposite because I grew up playing underground at at um, the tourist mine in Ballarat in Southern Hills. So I actually loved the smell of underground. It was just like exhilarating. Mm-hmm. And so I actually really, like, really enjoyed that aspect of it. And I still love that feeling of going down into the earth and then and seeing nature in all its glory in some respects like how it's created underground as well yeah yeah that's really yeah it is it's awesome (laughs) yeah so I met you when you were CEO at an underground mine mine near Bendigo and but you've transitioned since and I didn't realize you were running leading for success even sort of while you were CEO was it a a transition Mm. plan yeah it was a transition plan and it and it really came about by getting I've got um, children that are Lily's turning 10 soon and Kate's six Mm -hmm. and I have really worked the whole time that they've been here um, full time so I had I had only three months of maternity leave for both of them Mm. And I guess that's a bit of why I've started leading for success is I was really task-oriented early in my career, being trained as an engineer, being trained to solve problems, thinking that that was my role, even when I was fortunate to be in the leadership role as a mine manager and then ultimately a general manager. And I think that, yeah, I've, I've wanted to be able to share what I've learned from going from sort of being task-oriented all the way through to being people-oriented, that whole journey, mm. because that's been the mass- the biggest difference for me is waking myself up, realising that it's not all about achieving career success and it's also being there for your family now, particularly as they, as they head into teenage years, I'm guessing that they might need me around more. <laughs> I've heard that's the case. I'm waiting <laughs> to see. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I feel like I've got, I want to pass that on to people because it's been, yeah, what's happened to me, if I'd sort of known earlier a lot of the things really made a massive difference in my life, then maybe I would have been more evolved earlier and had more fun (laughs) (laughs) rather than being completely, like I was full on um, achievement focused Mm. and and that my brain was just wired that way, really, from probably a small child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that yeah, that journey occurred really, as I said, I was I was mind manager and I was still that task oriented person, thinking, mm. you know, what do I have to do today? I've got my list. I'm wandering mm. around, you know, ticking the boxes, not actually connecting with people. Mm. And then what happened after I had Lily was I had three months off, and the company had been sold to another company and I was actually worried about my job security. It was just Mm -hmm. after the GFC Mm -hmm. and I went back to work and my worst fears were realised. So the job that I had, which was mine manager, the one that I'd, you know, taken all these risks and worked so hard to get 
to this role, um, I think I had about 170 or so direct reports at the time. The person that was sort of overseeing the operation for the new owner um, said to me, oh, no, that's not your job anymore. I've given that to a man and now you need to go and run the plant, which was to me like a total demotion down to back to about 20 direct reports. But it was the same discipline that I'd started out in. Okay. So that was why it was a massive, like, yeah, I was in a pretty bad way after that. Because I thought, oh, God, I've done all these things to try and transition to be underground mine manager and they've just said that, no, you can't have that job anymore, that's not yours, you need to go back and run the plant, which was what I'd originally studied to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that that was the first place that I went to after that event where I first started that, I guess, self-discovery journey about, you know, what's all this about? And that was 12 years into my career. So the self-development starts. (laughs) Yes, and that was the trigger. Yeah. Um, So by creating Leading for Success, I'm sharing that story and what I've learned with people over the 20 years because it hasn't stopped after that point. I've just continued to, to learn more and more in the hope that, you know, I can highlight to them how important these things are earlier on and they may well you know the sooner you start investing in yourself the and that's happened to me as soon as I started doing that what I whatever I wanted to achieve was I saw then as completely possible and I could it just it was all and it was all really that trigger event where I started really going deep and investing in myself where it all happened after that that sounds pretty incredible too doesn't it that as soon as you start working on yourself the whole world opens up to you and and what you're wanting seems to come easier it does and I went I went from that task oriented to you know questioning you know question oriented what is all this about Mm. and then thinking or working out what direction I wanted to go in at the time Mm. But then realising that helping other people be successful was the first step and I found that so I didn't actually have to worry about my own success or my own goals. I actually was able, because I was in a position, I suppose, of in a leadership position with um, ultimately I, I did get my job back a couple of years in. So I got that my manager job back mm. and then was promoted after that. The more I helped people within the business and outside the business be successful at whatever they wanted to achieve in their life, yeah. then it just naturally flowed back to me. I didn't actually have to think about it. So, yeah, so I, I went from that task-oriented all the way to being people-oriented and and then obviously having an impact on other people, which is, yeah, then going to make other... I get really excited about seeing other people succeed and get into latest leadership positions and positions of power where they can make a difference in their businesses for mm-hmm. for women particularly or for in, you know increasing diversity like when I was able to but we didn't have maternity leave policy or, or paternity leave policy actually mm-hmm. be able to change businesses to make them better for all people rather than you know sort of being stuck in the dark ages which a lot of businesses <laughs> still are yeah yeah so that that was that's what I really get excited about when people can have that power to make that change Mm, yeah. And I'm able to help them do that now um, in with leading for success. Yeah, the thing that really got to the core for me when you were talking about leading for success was um, taking technical people and turning them into exceptional leaders. And I've come across this concept before, but I haven't had it that succinctly described. 
And even thinking about, because you're obviously thinking about engineers and you're also talking about um, larger organisations too where your roles are more defined. But even thinking for myself, you know, I, I am a technician, I'm a lawyer, I've spent however many years, 10 years doing that before going into business for myself and thinking that then, you know, I'm, I can be a lawyer, of course I can run a business and manage a team and in fact, uh, you know, had to develop those skills on the run. And because I'm still, you know, I'm caught between those two roles, I'm still the head lawyer and so there's a lot of legal work and tasks that I'm still doing, but I'm also manager, owner, leader of a team. So it's so much juggling. So those are just my comments anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is, mm. yeah, well, I think the juggle is, it's so, mm. for me, it was critical. I still had that achievement focus, but then mm. once you get to those positions of whether it be, you know, CEO or general manager or whether you're running your own business, it's that often technical people can be a bit perfectionistic and I think I was certainly that and it's that getting comfortable with not being something not being perfect mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and actually uh covering off your own um, well-being first so this whole concept um that I work with people on now is um what is what is lead myself first mean what does it mean and particularly for women, it can seem really selfish mm. um, because we're, you know, brought up to be mothers and carers and so everyone else has got to go first. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but actually leading yourself first, you're looking after you, number one, so physically, you know, making sure that you are, if you're going to the gym or whatever you're doing. So, And I was doing that in the last couple of years, running that business and also doing the Leading for Success stuff yeah. on weekends. Mm. I'd still make sure I went to the gym and if work, if work suffered, too bad <laughs> because <laughs> I wasn't going to, you know, mentally or physically be able to cope with it all unless I looked after myself first and I had to be the best person possible for my people and for all of my clients and I think that juggle is, it seems, yeah, when you say, it's just a, it's a whole mindset thing. I think if people think it's selfish, oh, no, I've got to look after my kids first, it's actually no. If I ask my kids in the morning, what do you want for breakfast? And then I answer me, I just get my own breakfast and start eating. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just like, oh, you should have said something. <laughs> so it's almost like I don't feel guilty about that because I have to look after myself first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's great even to give yourself that permission, isn't it? Yeah, you have to because no one else will. <laughs> you've, no, got to take it for, you've got to take it for yourself. And mm. I think that, yeah, the freedom... I often say that my clients and people that I work with is the more senior you get and that's sort of what I love and I just shared about. I want people to take, you know, whether it's starting their own business, creating the culture that they've they've really longed for in the organisations that they've worked for and whether it be stepping up in organisations and being able to create the culture for people that you've always wanted to create is that, yeah, being able to, the more power that I received and the more responsibility, it actually got easier. Not It wasn't actually more work. It was like less work because mm. you could just delegate more and that then opens up time to look after yourself, which you have to do as a leader. Yeah. So I think that's really key. People often think, oh, no, I don't want to get promoted because that's just more work. But the mm. only role models we have often are men 
that mm-hmm. have women that have often, you know, this is a traditional model. They might have a stay-at-home partner mm. who who are doing everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. and if you're a mother and you're doing everything and your job, you actually have to look after yourself first. There's no other way because no one else is looking after you at home. And I mean, that's been my experience. I haven't had a stay-at-home partner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had to do everything. I've been able. I've had to do mothering and work. And <laughs> yeah. look after myself, and there's no way you can do that unless you're looking after yourself first. No, yep, there you go. And it also, I suppose, makes you much more effective with the time that you have because you you're doing so many things, and yet you can still carve out time for yourself. Because that was going to be my next question. My day just seems to have gotten longer and longer and longer to try and add in my self care. So now I'm getting up at five in the morning so that I can actually have my hour of exercise and a little bit of meditation in the morning. Because if I got up at six, I would lose time for myself completely because everything else is then just flat chat, do everything for everyone else. But I suppose it's it's more about the control of your diary too, because I was self-reflecting and going, well, it doesn't have to be that way, does it? No, I think you said flat chat and a lot of, so the training I did a couple of years ago in, um, I trained to to be a coach and that's the skill set I use with clients now um, in my um, executive and leadership coaching is it's often we're creating that that world by the language that we use internally and externally. Mm. So I think the last year or so of my when I was working and doing everything, I was actually just saying to myself, I'm cruising. I'm cruising. <laughs> and I just say that to people and go, oh, you must be so busy. And I'd say, no, I'm actually cruising. Yeah. And that actually created the mental Reality. state of being okay, like not frantic or frenetic and actually just changed my whole experience of it all. So I think, yeah, and obviously diary controls key mm. and I didn't, when I took over as general manager, there was an EA assigned to that role and I made that redundant and just kept my own calendar, mm. um, just controlled my own calendar so that okay. I could actually make those decisions. And I think that, yeah, yeah that was a lot easier because then you don't get all these bookings. That, you know, if, if you're feeling, I think that's self-care, if you're feeling exhausted and you need an afternoon off, you're not going to know till you get to the lunch or whatever. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then sometimes you just have to go home and have a rest. That's okay. <laughs> yeah that does sound nice (laughs) you're so insightful and your voice is just so beautiful and calm as well Um, (laughs) (laughs) so what would advice would you give to your 21 year old self so my 21 year old self was incomplete um, as I mentioned achievement mode Mm. and I felt my whole life that I've been in that state and I don't know what's caused that, but something's caused that. Mm. <laughs> I didn't think my parents put any pressure on me to achieve, um, but maybe subconsciously they did. And I'm sure I'm passing that on to my children as well. <laughs> but it, so it would be to have more fun. Yeah. Because I didn't enjoy uni. It was it was hard. It was, you know, five years of lots of study. Mm-hmm. I didn't go out and party much at all. I had a couple of years of fun in Kalgoorlie. And, but apart from that, it's just, all been pretty you know <laughs> I haven't actually had yeah I haven't yeah. completely driven and um assuming like when you have kids even think oh now I have to do both now I have to be a successful you know person as well yeah. as be a successful yes. mother yeah mm-hmm. and to actually stop and breathe and have fun 
And I think 20 years in, I'm actually only learning to do that now, <laughs> which is, it's lovely. It's yeah. lovely to be actually. Um, well, that's had, right, better late than never. Yeah, and I just had four days off and I didn't look at my phone and I t- had no social media and it was just bliss. I just loved it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. I often, um, advice to myself would have been similar, but then I often wonder whether I would have listened because I think people tried to give me that sort of advice and people certainly tried to give me advice before going into business too and I didn't listen then either and I just had to learn for myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You can only learn by doing can't Sometimes. Mm-hmm. So... You've talked a lot about making sure we put ourselves first. What are some daily things or rituals that you check in to make sure that you are looking after yourself? So when I'm um, obviously leading teams as a leader, um, I, I put a sticky note on my desk and number one was always people. So making sure your people are okay. Mm. Um, and then there were you know, a couple of things after that. But so if, and I always coach people or work with my team is that if you go to bed and you think about something, then that means you haven't dealt with it and you haven't closed off whatever that is. So for me, it's that check-in, is there anything like that mm. that I need to sort out? Because I don't want to go home and take anything home. And it's actually, it's, it's generally all about people and relationships and it's, and it's actually go and have that frank conversation and that being, you know, transparent and honest in all of your dealings with people is obviously yeah essential as part of that so it's actually yeah checking in is there anything bothering you if there is go and sort it and then I'm practicing in the morning visualizing things that I want to achieve in say short time frame I'm only just practicing that now yeah and then the meditation piece I've started reading a book um, and I'd love to actually go and learn it rapidly in some setting but I think the more (laughs) I read yeah, the more I read about other people, I think meditation is really essential, but I've, I've not experienced that yet. I'm only starting starting now. So, yeah, it sounds like you're you're doing it and it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a key element to your success. So, yeah, I'm definitely keen to, to get better at that. Well, I think the visualisation, you're partway there anyway because a lot of the guided meditations are visualising anyway. Oh, great. Um, but and just start listening to some on YouTube. Easy. Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. I'll, I'll definitely have to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no matter which way we come to it, um, you're coming to it more through further education and through really conscious leadership, whereas I find I'm not often a conscious leader and if I don't meditate I'm too impatient and frustrated to give my people any time. So I'm coming to it from the other perspective, I suppose. I've put the tools ahead and it's just sort of giving me that that outcome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Mm. Mm. So Leading for Success, where can people find out more about it and what you're doing? So the website to head to is melaniemccarthy.com forward slash leading for success. Great. But I also have my four-hour workshops are on Eventbrite. I'm running them in Bendigo and Melbourne every month. And yeah, so if you search leading for success, they should come up on Eventbrite um, and also the Meetup app as well. Oh, on the Meetup app too. Fantastic. So Melbourne and Bendigo. Yes. Do you have plans to take them online? Yeah. So um, I'm in the process of doing that for our workshop 
and converting it to online and, yeah, allowing it to go out to the world so that I can reach more people rather than just in our beautiful little Bendigo or down in Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. I think think the world needs it. So great to hear that you're going that step as well. I mean, we love working one-on-one or closely with people, but I think the global place that we're at, we can reach a lot further with a similar impact. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think the power of online and how connected people can be is just, it's mind-blowing how how powerful it is. So, yeah, I'm really excited to to put it all out there and help as many technical people become exceptional leaders and be able to realise all of the, yeah, learn from my mistakes really, (laughs) learn from all of the (laughs) mistakes I made and there's so much gold in there to to pass on to people. So I'm really looking forward to being able to do that on a massive scale. Yeah, sounds great. And for those technical people that can't see the benefit, Mel has explained that you get less task focused and more people focused and things just fall into place with ease. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just um, changes your whole life. It's just amazing. Excellent. Well, Mel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to to put it out there on your podcast. Yeah, I think it's tremendous what you're doing and it's, yeah, I can't wait to to hear it and share it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Love having you. You know, one thing that I really like about Mel is how calming and grounded her voice sounds. Yes. You just took the words out of my mouth. My opening line, because I didn't know who was going to start this. <laughs> but my opening line was going to be, she's really soothing. And I, yeah. as you know, I had dramas trying to get into the audio last night. But uh, <laughs> good old reset on the phone works. But I was listening to it in bed and I was like, wow, she could be a really good hypno person because she's just got this awesome voice that's really calming. Yes. Yeah. And I wonder if that's something that she's cultivated because she's a very driven person. So I don't know why she doesn't talk a million miles an hour as well. Yeah. We're going to have to ask her that one, aren't we? Yeah, I think um, so. Learned Mm. to have that type of voice. Yeah. Like, but even when she was laughing in, in the interview, even that was really like calming. It wasn't like her, wasn't like my, one of my hyena laughs, right? <laughs> yes. She was really calm. Yeah. She was. Yeah, I will. I only thought of it in reflection after listening to it again myself. And I thought, my God, you can see why people would be led by her because she's, she, with the, that voice, she doesn't, I can't imagine her being frazzled. And no. so people would take, the strength from that I reckon and isn't it interesting that it's not like we're saying to be led by that type of voice but it's not necessarily that loud in your face it's just that quiet calm collected it's that whole actually there's an EQ competency around literally that which is called personal power and the definition of that is pretty much that you can be confident in your role and speak your truth but quietly and calmly Mm. so yeah she's a yeah yeah and as a mind manager probably working in some fairly noisy environments with big men but it's obviously worked for her so it's fascinating but um, I have heard of the concept of you know keeping your voice low and calmer um, because it does force you to calm down a little bit too but I've always had in my mind that um, meekness doesn't mean weakness yes yes that is really cool it's so Mm. true isn't it Mm. Um, but it makes you, um, I think the technique there is that it makes you almost listen a bit more attentively mm. when the voice isn't as in your face mm. as it normally would be. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when I re-listened to it, I took so much out of the conversation. And even at the start of the interview, I knew her story was a real progression from being really technical and IQ to becoming a really strong EQ leader. Mm. And But what hit me, I suppose, was some of the big tough knocks that she'd had, which were probably the big learning moments for her you know a couple of really big knocks in her career where she you know was really achievement focused and then didn't get what she was aiming for yeah what about that one where she had to come back to work and then they said that she was in that role and did I hear right like I tried to rewind it but did she say that she was told that that position was for a man yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it was right I was like did I mishear that I almost had to sort of backtrack to re-listen to that that they put a man into that role, yeah. And then, like she said, it's that whole irony that the reason she left was to be in that position. So where she had was going to be pushed down to and demoted was where she would have been had she had just continued and not mm-hmm. worked on herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yet she I was able to suck it up for a couple of years. Yeah. I know, and just that that anger and angst that you would have felt hearing that mm. um, and, and the whole injustice of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But in some respects, I think that she seems to have been quite insightful about being a female in in that industry. And maybe it comes from what she was talking about with knowing um, how it worked and having seen her dad in the industry and and growing up around it. Mm. Yeah. There was something else interesting she said, which was that because she'd only had... (laughs) male role models in her industry yes and they had supporting partners at home that Mm. did all the other stuff Mm. it was when she was talking about self-care and how important it is because you know women have a double shift Mm. and she didn't have a partner who was at home making the food and doing the parenting and cleaning the house and so she had to really be far more conscious of looking after herself yeah it's so true isn't it like Mm that support like you know when you get home it is like that second shift and then there's almost a third shift I think for me anyway there is at times (laughs) of getting back into work mode before bed just to finish off a couple of things or do a couple of things yeah yeah we just can't you know emphasize the importance of of having that support but she's right like you know eat your cereal first (laughs) and look after yourself first and do what you need to because no one else is going to do that for you no one's going to ask you, like, right? It's just just got to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I almost said to her, well, our kids are old enough to feed themselves now, for God's sake. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like how, how, how long, yeah, how long do you have to nurture mm. them before they have to stand yeah. on their own two feet? Exactly. And I think this whole leading for success thing is, you know, that model that she's got going is just mm. crucial. And mm. listening to her story reminded me of an issue just a couple of weeks ago on client site. I was working there and there's a a big service department there that services equipment. And I literally just let the team know that I'm in one day a month, two days a month, and they just book in meetings to have a chat. And this woman came in and she said she's really struggling in her role. (laughs) And what's happened is because she was so good at her role from a service technician point of view, they needed a team leader. So they automatically Mm -hmm. put her in that role, Mm. promoted her straight away. Mm. and was like yep go run it so and she's still young like she's pretty young she's probably late 20s so there she is having these friends in her team that Mm. they all socialize go out drinking partying together yeah uh, because they're of that age no kids yet so they're all good 
And then she's got to the situation where she then has to lead them and manage them. And she's like, I just don't know how to do this. No, no training. No training whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And on top of the no training, she's like, I don't even think I'm doing my job any differently because what is lead? What, what does that mean? No, that's right. So she's fallen into the lead by example, um, where her excellence is just supposed to naturally somehow rub off on the team. Yeah. But isn't it funny how they think that just because you're good technically mm-hmm. in a role doesn't mean that you're going to have the leadership ability to then manage that team it's a whole different skill set like you said with your law firm yeah yeah that's right you know that is what I focused on a lot when I spoke obviously for for Mel and her event last week because you know although law doesn't seem as technical as engineering it's still you know you think in a certain way you're trained for years and years and years to think in a problem-solving way and a get-things-done way. And then when you go into management or leadership, like you said, it's a completely different set of skills. And it's certainly not something that you're taught. It's, mm. yeah. And so, you know, I relate very much to that going from technician to leader slash business owner and I said during the interview with her that I'd come across the concept before and I remembered where it was it was in the e-myth book have you ever read Mm. that I had yes ages ago yeah Yeah. because that's very much what that's all about isn't it going from technician to yeah yeah and I think there's so many other people out there but then you know like where do they go to for help like if you look at this young person that's in this business, it's sort of the only job she's been in. Mm. And who do you really go to, like to network, to support, to to get those skills? Unless you ask HR or you approach, you know, your leader and say, I'm really struggling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think, you know, there's a big, big market there for, for that gap. Yeah, that the people need the support and that network. Mm-hmm. It'll be yeah. interesting if any of our leaders, our listeners are in that position, it'd be good to hear from them as well mm. to see what they're, thoughts are or how they navigated that I guess just to help others Mm, yeah I think so too because if you're not in a major organization it really comes down to your own self-learning and seeking things out and wanting to improve or even knowing that you have to improve because even for a while you know you think that leading by example is enough but no and you've got no measure right either that's right. So you you think you're doing the right thing, you think you're learning, but yeah. what is the right way? And yeah. it's interesting what Mel said yesterday in the interview as well that you know the moment you start working on yourself, mm. how things start to change. Mm. The other thing I really liked about what she said, and funny enough, it was in a book that I read this week actually, <laughs> where she was saying that the more she helped people achieve their successes, then the more that came to her. Mm. Yeah, and I'm reading this book, you know, working with the law. <laughs> <laughs> as you do but just really understanding that life really operates on principles of of law so the logic part of life and one of those things is that you know that if you the law of increase where you, you know you give back you praise the things that are happening in your life and then you get rewarded back in the same way so mm. fascinating that she spoke about that too I think it's so true and they say that the more you help other people but without the agenda right so you don't make it a business transaction of going well if I help them what am I going to get in return that you do it because you want to do it then it comes back tenfold Mm. Mm. yeah yeah I found that really interesting too and also that the higher she got in management she learned that there was less and less tasks that she had to do because she could delegate tasks and all she had to do was 
have relationships, mm. which was an amazing approach for me to think as well because, like I said to her, my plate just is getting piled and piled and piled on more. <laughs> yeah, my yeah, it would be. And you've got how many different hats there, right? Like it's, yeah. it's crazy. Mm. It's interesting. I, the other thing that made me reflect on the interview last night after I listened to it and I was trying to fall asleep was the fact that, you know, when I was a leader and a, a manager of a HR team, I felt like I was a good leader there. I had good delegation skills, managed to juggle some of that stuff. And that's just through leadership training. Nothing that I sort of, you know, woke up and knew how to do. But I feel I've lost those skills running my own business and being an entrepreneur because we are so used to then doing everything. We don't have a team to manage. Yeah. And one of my friends actually called me out on it in, in, mm -hmm. a, in a good way. And uh, mm -hmm. just a project we're working on. And she said, it's really difficult to work with you on this because you're just so different from yeah. like you're really just do everything type yeah. of attitude. Yeah. And it really made me reflect and was like, oh, my God, she's right. Like I'm probably a really shit leader at the moment because I haven't used those skills. And then yesterday I had a coaching session and the coach that was mentoring me basically said that, you know, asking for help is, is not a weakness mm. and you need to be able to ask for help. And it's something that you don't do enough. And I'm like, oh my God, like yeah. there's two people in the space of a couple of weeks that have said that to me, but it's yeah. true. Like, I feel like I've lost those skills. <laughs> mm, yeah. And that was part of what I was trying to get across in the interview as well. If you're not purely in a management role and you have, you know, a million hats to wear because you're in your own business, it's hard to consciously lead as well as juggle all the other things that you've got to do. Hmm. Um, because sometimes you just want to get them done and off your plate and you know that you'll do them quicker than anyone else. And yes. yeah, it's the nature of it, isn't it? Yeah. But it's just that little thing like, you know, <clears throat> having that time to do the regular catch-ups, check-ins, things that we take for granted and we think, oh, it's not important, but the people that work in our team, it's probably, you know, I remember one person saying to me in my HR role that the weekly catch-up was one of their highlights because it was an opportunity to reflect and talk and get help. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like one of the chores. You know, yes. so <laughs> It's like, you know, we've got to look at it from, from the other person's perspective and, yeah, hone in on those skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I thought that chat with Mel was fantastic. Yeah, she was really good. How mm. often does she run the um, events, the meetups? Um, I think once a month in each Bendigo and Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and then she has half-day workshops, I think, every other weekend. Oh, yeah. So there's sort of something every week that she does. And then her workshops lead to individual coaching if people want. Um, and she's going to have her online course. So. Wow. Mm. Good for her. It's like, she's finally found that thing that she's, you know, wanted was searching for and wanting to do. And it's like, it's sort of like just settled in really well into that. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly suits her very well, but I suppose she wouldn't be the person she is unless she did what she did anyway. She wouldn't have the same story or background for people to relate to. Mm. Mm. yeah absolutely especially that whole technical side mm. IQ to EQ right <laughs> yeah that's right that's exactly right and it was such a clear it's such a clear transition in her case yes mm. yeah that's exactly what I was thinking of listening to it that this whole you know person that's had this technical career and you could see like when she was telling her story that 
she knew that there was something else she needed to do. And just the fact that, you know, she was transitioning and changing early on as well, while, yeah. while studying and developing those skills. Yeah. And I wonder like how much of the IQ-ness she may have seen in her dad as well. Yeah. And gone, you know what, I want to be a little bit different. So yes, same industry, same type of thing, but mm-hmm. I want to have a bit of an edge and that's something that she may not have seen in her dad potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the resilience, I mean, the resilience of her path and her knowing where she wanted to be and persisting because it took her mm. a long time is mm. just impressive as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. What have you got on for the week? Anything exciting? Just trying to think. I don't think there is anything exciting, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to a future of law conference tomorrow. So, yay, they're just going to tell us that we're going to have robots again. I don't know why I put myself through some of these. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it? We keep hearing that same same message now again and again. It's sort of getting reinforced, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think robots doing all of your um, discovery and, uh, you know, Yeah, we don't even have that because we don't run big litigation. And yeah, you know, robots doing all the automation. So robots should be doing our intake with our clients and stuff like that. I'm like, whoa, we're not going to get clients if robots are doing our intake. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm I'm hopeful that there's actually something a little bit different in the message from that. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to share with us next week. (laughs) Yeah, I will. I will. What, what about for you? So I've got just a couple of days working from home, which is nice. I can mm-hmm. stay in my PJs <laughs> uh, and not, not have to get up too early. Needy cat. And then, and then yeah, be with my needy cat. And mm-hmm. then um, Saturday, I've just got another parent workshop for EQ Kids. Great. So Gee, that's on that Saturday. going off really for you, isn't it? Yeah. So we're doing one every fortnight at the moment, actually, in different locations and schools. And, and yeah, it's good. And it's only like an hour hour and a half or three hours to sort of alternate between them and yeah they're getting full people are wanting to know you know how to interact with their kids more you know to be more emotionally intelligent so it's good it's just a bit of a tester at the moment to let people know that's what we're doing but yeah it's sort of a bit of fun on the side and growing Mm -hmm. slowly it's like a little baby (laughs) yeah well it sounds like it's in demand because you've you've got a lot of yeah Mm. we're doing them yes we've done about seven or eight now which is good Mm. in the last few months Fantastic. So yeah, well just prep for that. That's about it, really. Nice and easy, quiet week. And then it's Diwali in a couple of, well, it might be next week, actually, Diwali, which is like the Indian Christmas. Oh, right. Okay. So that's going to uh, be happening as well. So a couple of celebrations and things for that. But yeah, mm-hmm. nice and quiet. Wow. Christmas for you guys really does go for months. Oh, exactly. Right. Or <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. the build up. <laughs> I know, I know already the build up and then it's like, yeah, then it's a, the other Christmas. So it's, te- yeah, technically like a Christmas of the last quarter of the year. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I do love Christmas. Yes, I know. I know. I have to fight with Gia not to put the tree up too early. Like if she had it her way, the tree would be up in October. Seriously, <laughs> like she's that obsessed about it. So yeah. a constant fight. Can we just at least wait until the, the last week in November before we put yeah. it up? So. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So we want to hear from people, don't we, about the yes. leadership going from technician to leader. So they can comment on this episode on our website at iqmeetseq.com.au. Where else can they get a hold of you, Ush? I'm at ushdanek.com. Great. 
um, and I'm at jackiebroman.com or tbalaw.com.au. So those are all the places. Love to hear from you. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. Good to chat again, Ush. And you. Thanks, Jackie. Have a great day. And you. Bye.